CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Back for another edition of Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. And we're going to do a, a kind of an email show, mailbag show, if you will. Uh, we haven't done one of these in a while where we kind of got to get into the cash connection, as we used to call it, and take some multiple emails from folks that have sent things into the website or asked Don questions and just kind of share these with folks because if it if it's affecting one person, there's a good chance that something similar has affected other people. So that's going to be the topic of conversation. But we're also dropping this just after the 4th of July. So Don and I are probably uh, on vacation at that moment. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Kind of We're kind of post uh, talking about something that maybe happened a couple of days ago. Hope you had a good 4th of July, my friend. How you doing? Yes, Mark, we are uh, strategically planning this show <laughs> around the 4th of July. So. Yeah, got to have fun, right? Absolutely. We are both on vacation as this show drops. We've discussed this in the past. I love Independence Day yeah, celebrations. Yeah. I'm sure you, I know you do too. And over the past several years, our family's been on the beach in Siesta Key, Florida, as we are this year, um, watching the, the fireworks on the beach. And I can remember many uh, celebrations, 4th of July, watching fireworks in the New York City Harbor. You've probably seen them on TV. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's a beautiful spot for fireworks. One in particular was the, the 100th anniversary, Mark, of the celebration of the Statue of Liberty when President Reagan spoke on Ellis Island. So that's a great 4th of July memory. From 1986, man, that goes back a long way, Mark. <laughs> and, and 1986 is what, 38 uh, shush, years, shush. 37 years? Yeah. This it, year. It was a good year, though. It was a good year. I mean, for me as a sports fan, it was the year the Mets won the World Series. Okay, so now, yeah. 1986 yeah. was a great year. Yeah. This year's 4th of July is number 247 from yeah. 1776. So. Three more years, and we'll have the 250th anniversary. Well, right up there with that number, Don, this is our 99th episode. So one more, our podcast is 100. So You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, like, when is number 100? So we have to do something special. Yeah, it'll be our, for, our mid-July show. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. it's going to be actually a big uh, July in our family. It's uh, my daughter's sweet 16 and my wife and I's 30th wedding anniversary nice. so, and a hundredth show. So a lot of numbers. A lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> 16 and 86. I was, I was 16 and got my driver's license in 86. So it was a, it was a good year. Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, let's transition and get into the cash connection here where we're going to answer some questions from some email uh, from folks that send stuff in and just random different things we've got on the show. Uh, so feel free to email Don and let him know if you want to touch uh, touch base on some things and ask him some questions. Get your concerns taken care of. Don at DonaldCash.com. That's Don at DonaldCash.com. Or go to DonCashPodcast.com. That's DonCashPodcast.com to fire away a question. All right. You ready, my friend? I'm ready. Fire away. All right. We got uh, Doug in Westfield. Doug says, guys, I just got a raise at work, which is awesome. Only downside is that now I make too much money to put into my Roth this year. I liked having that tax-free growth in the Roth, but I guess that's off the table. Any other thoughts where to stick the money? You know, this is a great question. I, I'm, I'm glad that that he fired away at this mm -hmm. uh, this Roth question that Doug has in Westfield. So the Roth is often, it's very confusing, right? When it comes to the rules and regulations around the Roth IRAs, Mark, I see this all the time, right? So with the Roth IRAs, we have contributions. That's how money gets into the Roth IRA. This is what Doug is talking about. 
We have conversions. That's money that goes from the regular IRA into the Roth IRA. And we have earnings over time. So his question is, he apparently he doesn't say how much he's earning, but he's making too much to contribute to a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So this is where the confusion is as well. The, the income limit to contribute to the Roth IRA, it's much higher than contributing to a traditional IRA. You know, some often there are limitations where your your income's got to be fairly low or you can't contribute to the Roth. So right. if you're a single person uh, contributing to a, a Roth IRA, you know, you could have income up to $153,000 and still be able to contribute to the Roth IRA if you're married up to $228,000. So people are surprised by that. Right. You know, if you're a married couple and you're earning $200,000 a year, as long as you have earned income, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. So the income limit, depending on the age, is either $6,000 or $7,000. If you're under 50, it's $6,000. It's over 50, it's $7,000. That's what you can contribute. So let's just get clarity on that for Doug. So, you know, just make sure if your income is under those limits, you're still good. Okay. The amount that you can contribute is limited. So here's where there's more of an opportunity is if you make a, a Roth 401k contribution. Yeah, I was going to say, if the, if the company offers that, maybe asking if that's a possibility, right? Absolutely. And yeah. more and more companies are. Yeah. So then we don't have these income limits to look at. And you can contribute up to thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's got the benefits of the traditional, but the tax the tax side of the coin. Well, you don't get the tax deduction. No, right. But it's right. that it's that Roth. It's growing the money tax free, uh, tax free versus that tax time bomb by going with the traditional. Correct. Yeah. So you know, if you're under fifty, like with any four hundred one k, whether it's Roth or traditional, you're limited to twenty two thousand five hundred dollars, and what they call it salary deferrals. And of course, some people get matches on that too. So mm-hmm. that's just your contribution to a 401k, whether it's a Roth or a traditional 401k. So you can put you know, a fair amount of money into that Roth each year. So just don't be blindsided just thinking that, you know, I have too much income, I can't put money in the Roth. Look at the Roth 401k and look at the Roth IRA contribution and be careful not to confuse the Roth income rules with the regular IRA income rules. And Donna, if if need be, or if, is, is it possible to, if he doesn't have those options available, that he continues to put money in the traditional, but then just do a uh, what they call the backdoor and just do a conversion? Would that work that, as well for him? The, you know, the backdoor conversion is a little technical and it really, it doesn't work if you have regular IRAs as well as a 401k. Oh, okay. okay, good to know. That's a that's a that's one of those things I, I read about in newspapers about backdoor Roth conversions from a 401k to a, an IRA, but you have to be very very careful because there's what they call pro rata rules that get involved. So, mm, good stuff. you know, we okay. have we look at that carefully and there's not a great opportunity often for people to do what they call backdoor Roth conversion. Mm-hmm. An area where people can look with the Roth as a good opportunity for young people, and this is something I we've done with our kids, is if you're making a, a Roth contribution, let's say you are a younger person, age 18, 20, 22 years old, right. you, you're limited to $6,000 a year contribution. You have to have earned income, okay? So you can be 16 years old. Right. If you have earned income- You can you have could, a job. Have a job. Yeah. You can contribute to 
the Roth IRA. And let's say someone does that for 10 years. They do it $6,000 a year for 10 years. They put in $60,000. Now they have earnings and things like that. So it could be worth $100,000 after 10 years. Yeah, They could always take back the contributions, the $60,000, mm-hmm. and not have any penalties. Oh, on a, wow. On a Roth IRA. Can't do that with a traditional IRA. Yeah, okay. Good so stuff. if someone says, oh, no, I want to use $50,000 as a down payment on a home, if they're 28 years old at that time, you can take the money out and you can cash it out. Because keep in mind, it's after-tax money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, makes sense. As, oppo- as opposed to the pre-tax money. So a lot of rules and regulations around the IRA. Again, if something that they want to you know, ask more specific questions to us, they can email the personal circumstances or reach out and give a call and we can go through the particulars. But that's a, a great question. I love the IRA questions, love the Roth questions. And it often you know, creates a lot of opportunities, but there's also a lot of c- confusion around it. Yeah. Well, great question for sure. And uh, we got a little off on a tangent there, but I think, Doug, overall, Don gave you some good things to think about. And uh, and I appreciate you tackling some of those extra side pieces. So if you've got some questions, again, around that more specifically, if you're in a similar situation as, as Doug, definitely reach out to Don, as he mentioned, before you take any action. And you should always do that anyway on anything on our show or any other financial show. You want to see how it's going to affect your specific and unique situation by talking with a qualified professional like Don. All right, so let's go into the next one here. We've got uh, Gary in Monroe. Uh, he says, uh, enjoy the podcast. And I, I see your daughter got married, as you guys were talking about. Guess what? Our daughter's getting married within the next year. So I figured you might be a good person to ask some questions to. Uh, we're expecting to have a relatively small affair although I'm sure we wouldn't be the first people to be wrong about that <laughs> if it ends up being more expensive than we think. Uh, Don might be able to talk to you about that. Uh, most of our savings are in retirement accounts, he says, and I don't want to pay a lot of taxes by withdrawing the money to pay for the wedding, Don. So are there any other ideas that you have for people in this kind of situation? You know, I can speak with authority on this. <laughs> I was thinking that when I saw that, yeah. yeah. It seems like this is coming up a lot with friends and family members as wedding question. I yeah. guess we have kids in this, you know, age range yeah. where we have daughters getting married and I, I just I ran into a friend of of ours at the park on Saturday. My wife and I were sitting at the park, a mm-hmm. park bench, and ran into a friend of ours from church with his wife and their friends and I just had speaking to him a couple of days prior and his daughter's getting married. And much like Gary, and I said, look, whatever you think it's going to be, it's probably going to be 20 or 30% higher. Just pump it up, huh? Yeah, you really do. So it's always going to be higher. There's a million little things to be focused on mm-hmm. when it comes to this. So you really have to, if you're not a good list maker, you have to find someone who's good at this. Yeah. And whether it's hiring a wedding planner speaking to someone who just went through it, you know, add up all the little things. Now, as it relates to his question about you tapping into the retirement accounts, mm-hmm. I would highly suggest don't do this. Yeah. It sounds like right. he's not a fan of that idea. So now, I mean, you know, depending upon uh, the age and most of us with kids getting married, I, I think are under 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the magic age. So if you take money out of the IRA or to do this, you're going to be hit with penalties. Yeah. And pay the taxes. Not, yeah. 
you know, that's not an exception to the 10% penalty. Right. <laughs> you know, they talk about hardship ex- uh, yeah. exceptions. It's but, not my, a, but my daughter keeps making the wedding bigger. That's a hardship. <laughs> I do. I did, you know, for a good year, I consider this to be a financial hardship. Right, right. Unfortunately, the Treasury Department, the Says IRS no. does not consider yeah. it a hardship. That's funny. So don't take money out of the retirement account. Really, I mean, I would, I would forcefully suggest avoiding that. There are other places, and this is an area I even wouldn't suggest. But if you could, to tap into, you know, many of us who have had houses for many, many years, mm-hmm. Mark, have equity that's built up, particularly over the past several years. Mm-hmm. So let's say you bought your house years ago. Maybe it's paid off, or you have a low mortgage. It's very easy to get a home equity line of credit. Okay. So if you do, rates are a little have, high probably right now, but yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, now the rates are going to be seven, eight percent. Yeah. Or maybe more. And if if you do go that route, you have to really be forceful to pay this thing off. Yeah, be, have the discipline for sure. Yeah, to get it down. Well, you know, but thinking about the 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 four hundred one k, right? Not only is it the penalty and paying the taxes, but you know, if it happens to be down at the time you're you're taking the money out too, it just seems like a triple whammy there. So. Yeah, you could really get into a downward spiral. Even if you could borrow from the 401k, that's an option, but not ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people you know, don't pay these things back on time. Right, yeah. So, I mean, the, the best thing to do, I mean, it's water under the bridge, and you know, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. but you know, sort of plan for these things over time um, and, and just know that you're going to have to set aside a certain amount of money. Yeah. Not unusual for even a modest... Uh, size wedding to be thirty to fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, you know it's funny. I was thinking about that when you said uh, try to plan for it, and I, I can hear people saying, "But she sprung the fact on me." You know, she. How do you plan for falling in love? You know, and getting married at a sooner than. And it's like, yeah, that's why as parents, just plan a little ahead of time because you know it's going to happen at some point, right? Uh, instead of waiting till you know, well, she's twenty two, we'll start saving now or something like that. You know, that's, yeah, that's the same boat it, I'm in. Yeah. For sure. It definitely falls into that easier said than done category. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially since, you know, you're raising your kid and if he's not the only child, you might have two or three kids or more kids. Yeah. And you have college expenses. You have maybe could could be private school expenses. You have activities. And these things add up to set aside a separate fund for college, a separate fund for marriage, a separate fund for this and that. Yeah. It's sometimes it's just really not realistic, even if you're earning a good you could be earning a very good income. Yeah. Hey, hey, ha- Don, I'm sorry, did we yeah. cut you out? What, what about, would, it, would you advise tapping into an emergency fund in this situation? You could. I mean, it's you could consider this, you know, something in, in, akin to that. I would be careful as well because we want to set aside, make sure there's enough money there in case you have living expenses that you need, mm. right? But you could yeah. consider it to be like a temporary emergency sure. fund kind of tap in situation. But again, getting back to the question of retirement accounts, mm-hmm. I really, I would say no. Okay. You know, a a hard no on that IRA or 401k. Look at, if you could, the home equity line of credit, pay it off quickly, the emergency fund particularly. You know, now if people have emergency funds of, let's say $50,000, I'm just picking a round number. Sure, yeah. usually say three to six months of living expenses. I mean, you're going to be getting three, uh, three, four, 5% interest, at least now. Mm-hmm. On that, so that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, true. Know. Yeah, maybe if you only had to take out ten or fifteen grand, it wouldn't be the worst. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And um, you know, even though we're not going to be seeing five percent too long, it right, looks like, yeah, but it's out yeah. there now for mm-hmm. the time being. So, again, I would say no on the retirement account. 
congratulations. I should have said that first <laughs> on your daughter getting married. True. Uh, the most important thing is I always tell the kids, it's not about the wedding. It's about the marriage, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, as parents, we, we want to make sure that we give our children the wedding of their dreams and you know everything that they want, but what they really need long-term is a great marriage. Yeah, need a good and union. That's, yeah. Yep. And that's what we hope for more than anything else. Yep, absolutely. The, the good union is what we're all after. So, all right. So, great question, Gary. Thank you so much. Good luck, buddy. And uh, let us know how it goes. Drop us a line back and let us know how, uh, how if the wedding went off uh, smoothly. Don's, Don's daughter's mar- uh, wedding went off fantastic. So, so, it was a little hot that day, right? But other than that, it was good. It was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, final one this week. We got uh, Sherry in Cream Ridge. That's a, kind of a nice sounding. It's a very pleasant sounding area. Cream Ridge. She says, Don, I inherited almost 100 acres of farmland from my uncle. Wow. Uh, I'm sentimentally attached to this property, and I'd like to keep it in the family, but it may not be practical. I've been exploring options like timber, leasing farm to a farmer, uh, or even just leasing it out to a company for something like solar panels or things of that nature. Uh, are these viable? Have you encountered this kind of thing, or should I just sell it? Yeah, it's a great question. Believe it or not, I have encountered something similar to this in Cream Ridge, beautiful sounding town. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, Actually, it's very close to where my daughter was married. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) A lot of farmland and vineyards and stuff out there. And you know where it's near? It's near, uh, you probably heard of this, Fort Dix. Yes, okay. Fort Dix, Fort McGuire. It's in a very nice part of New Jersey. Well, I would imagine 100 acres. That's probably, I bet you in Jersey, that's probably worth a nice chunk of money. Oh, you bet. For sure. And yeah. there's a lot of people who have that kind of land out there. Yeah. Um, so I did in, encounter this with um, someone actually in your neck of the woods, mm, Mark, in okay. the Carolinas. Right. Um, who inherited the uh, the, the land. Um, and it, there's a fair amount of pine trees on there. that <laughs> yes, they can, yes. yes, there are. Yeah, a lot of pine trees that they could harvest. So that is an option to keep the land and, and harvest the timber. Uh, for sure, you could lease the land, uh, or, or you could just, you know, usually you have to pay a commission to someone to thin out the the trees, right, yeah. right, yeah. And, and to sell the the uh, the timber. But that's definitely a use. Solar panels is a growing use for this kind of land. Although for, personally, I just find them to be horribly looking. Uh, yeah, really, I, mean, I guess if I mean, I guess if it's a farm, I and mean, I can put them in a place where it's not really nice, or maybe. Yeah, you can hide them behind trees for yeah. sure, depending upon how visible they are to the roadside. Uh, that's growing in popularity. The one thing people tend to just get a little concerned about, and they shouldn't when they inherit land like this. So I'll just use the farmland as an example. Sometimes these farmers, you know, they bought this land for pennies on the dollar, many even say fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe it cost a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, not unusual for this kind of farmland to be worth, just picking a number, more ten million dollars, if it's a you know depending upon where it is, and if the farmer sold the land while he was alive, he'd have to pay a very very steep capital gains tax. This is why a lot of times people who have farms, kind of tight, right? They have farmland that they grow corn, they grow things on, but they're not wealthy people. But if they gotcha. sold that land, they would have to pay. A tremendous capital gains tax. I mean, it could really, when you add up the state and the federal tax, you know, it could be $3 million or more in capital gains taxes. Yeah, this was left to her, she says. So if, if she sells that, is she on the hook for that? Now, what's good about this is if you sell, if he inherits the land, mm-hmm. there's something called a step up in the basis. Right. Which means if the land's worth 
10 million dollars or 1 million whatever it is it's right, worth sure. that that is your base your your tax base she starts there he starts right there okay so if he sells the land for that price he pays no capital gains tax well that's nice so and that's because he left it to her uh posthumously correct inherited through the will yeah uh, it's the same thing for someone who owns something like a beach house, for gotcha. example. Right. Okay. They own a beach house at the Jersey Shore. Uh, their uncle bought it for fifty thousand dollars. Now it's worth two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uncle didn't want to sell it for that reason. Pays capital gains taxes. He leaves it to his son. Son pays no capital gains taxes. Yeah. They sell it the next day. So, anyway, so that's a, a reason to look at maybe what you do instead is sell the land. Yeah. Invest the money. You know, you can get a decent return now with a lot less hassle. Well, from a tax standpoint, that certainly sounds very advantageous for Sherry's situation. But she does mention being sentimentally attached. So she's probably going to have to weigh that out and maybe decide if she wants to keep the property and use some of these other tactics, right? It's a big issue to weigh out for sure. And you have to look at the risk of owning land like that. So a couple of weeks ago, we had this issue and you've seen this all across the Northeast, but particularly in New Jersey, wildfires. Oh, yeah. Right? Remember the wildfires a couple weeks ago in Canada spreading yeah. down to yeah. New Jersey? So we had our own wildfires here in New Jersey, uh, not too far away. So you can own 100 acres of land and you know you can have a wildfire and that blows out your timber yeah, uh, for that period true. of time. So there's always a risk with owning you know, any asset, of course, right? You know, it could be stocks, bonds. Timber, cars, homes, anything. Yeah, definitely. The sentimental attachment, you know, is often an issue when it comes to selling anything, Mark, whether it's land that your uncle owned Mm -hmm. uh, or whether it's, I've seen it with stock, Mark, from people whose, let's say, their father worked for IBM or Procter & Gamble. Right. Does Does that get the step up as well? It does, Johnson & Johnson. Nice. But they are they don't want to sell the stock because their father worked they're, there. Yeah, because they had it. Yeah, worked there. Right? Yep. And if it's in an inherited IRA and it's stock in an IRA like that, it is, you, you don't get the step up in basis. Mm. Right? So there's more tax problems when it comes to inheriting things like that. So uh, when it comes to inheriting property like the 100 acres of farmland, it's not in the IRA. So it's they don't have that kind of an issue, but well, it sounds like I mean, it sounds like she's got a good problem to have, though, for the most part, right? Is good there... problem, but you do have to sit down, explore the options, go through all the pros and cons. Yeah. So, in a situation like that, Don, would you say maybe weigh out the the financial aspects, the math aspects, and then you can kind of start to feel how it see how it pulls on the heartstrings? Yeah, you know, Mark, you'd be surprised how people lose their sentimentality when they find out the assets were two million dollars. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's 100 acres and someone, you know, if she didn't have, let's just say, Sherry, we don't have any idea, but let's just say you're, you know, you're just kind of in the middle of the road and, you know, you'd like a big windfall would be do wonders for your life. And next thing you know, this thing's worth $25 million. Uh, that sentimentality might fly right out the window. So Yeah, I say, I have a good idea. Let's sell the land and then go visit the farm. Oh, there you go. With the $3 million that you have. Yeah, there you go. That could be a possibility. Well, not to make light, we're just having some fun here and having yeah. a conversation with you, Sherry. Obviously, it definitely, anytime, and we've seen that before, Don, and we'll wrap it up here in just a second. But when people get something that was left to them by a family member, sometimes they, they automatically assume a, a guilt that if they don't uh, keep it, that they're somehow 
dishonoring their family member, right? And that may, uncle's intent may, and I have no idea, I'm just spitballing, but uncle's intent may have been, hey, this is yours to do whatever you want with because you were my favorite niece. So don't worry about what I would want. Do just what you would want. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, often we we can um, understand the uncles or someone in the family. They're kind of their charitable heart. Yeah. Right? Like, what's their heart for? Is it for the Boy Scouts? Is it for the church? Is it for the community? And when it comes to uh, inheriting IRAs, this is a little side point when it comes to this. If you inherit, um, let's say, the uncle's IRA and you're over age 70 and a half, you can gift that required distribution to the Boy Scouts or the church mm, true, and not have to pay any taxes on the inherited IRA required distribution. So there are ways to honor your loved ones, their charitable attempts without necessarily, you know, going down one path that may not be the best path. Okay. All right. Well, great show this week. Uh, we certainly appreciate the email questions. Got Glad we got a chance to get back to some of these here, uh, what we call the cash connection. And so if you've got some questions, again, reach out to Don. Let him know that you got some concerns of your own or got some things happening in your financial world. He has a CPA and a CFP. And again, you can email him at Don at donaldcash.com. That's don at donaldcash.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Your Money and Your Life on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like using. You can type that into the search box, Your Money and Your Life, of those apps, or you could just stop by the website, donaldcash.com. All right, my friend, thanks for hanging out. Uh, um, enjoy your 4th of July, even though we're dropping this after the 4th of July. Hope everybody enjoyed theirs. And uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks for episode 100. 100, Mark. We have to do a special show. See you then. All right. We'll see you then here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.